You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. It is time. Pride of Detroit POD cast. For Lions fans out there around the world, tuning in for us, welcome. I am Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett, P-E-R-F-E-T-T, soon to be the only POD member here in Southern California because Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online, will this time next week be hitting the road, following back the same track I did, heading out to Michigan. He's going home. I'm going home. But I'm currently homeless because I moved out. I have his carpet. He gave me his carpet. Yes. I should have given you so much more. I threw out so much stuff. Yeah. Well, I've got my own stuff. What do you think? So that's what it is. And you're going to be palling around up there with third member of our podcast, Ryan Matthews. Back is the motherfucking rock guy. At Ryan underscore P-O-D. Ryan, how are you doing today, buddy? Doing absolutely fantastic outside of Tropical Smoothie Cafe, taking forever in the drive-thru. Come on. Like, there's one car in the drive-thru. It's 106 degrees in Michigan, all right? Just trying to get a smoothie to cool cool down. Enjoy that exaggeration. Yeah. I'm just going to bathe in tropical smoothies when I get there. I'll bathe you in tropical smoothies. Whoa. Okay. Well, let's just get right into it. (laughs) One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. All right, let's start our list cap. List cast time. Same format as always. We're going to be a little rote through the summer just because it's now it's July. Welcome to July. And it's hot as hell. And we just want to list cast things. And today, we're going back to the offensive side of the ball with running backs, which is 
probably the most important thing we can do, because as we know on this podcast, you have to establish the run game. You must establish the run game. The Lions do not establish run games well. They will not be talked about here. But very soon we will talk more Lions in the next segment. But first, as we get through this list cast, we keep working on the format, rethinking it, trying to make sure it can go fast and get you all what you need to know. So we're going to start 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. I can count. 5, 4, 3, 2, and then 1. And I think Jeremy was prefacing this during our production meeting. Uh, at the top of this list, probably the guys you expect, just different flavors on who goes 1, 2, or 3. Yeah, it's it was really, really tough, the top. I, I got my 10 guys pretty pretty easily. I knew who I wanted the top 10 guys to be, but the order at the top is just, it's tough because some of these guys have had down years. Some of these guys have been consistent but are aging, and it's just hard to know where they're going to be this year. And we're going to try to fight more about that. I want more fighting on this. Let's go. Okay, I will start. You, you know what? Can I start us off? I want to start us Do off. It. I never get to start us off. All right. My number 10 is Christian McCaffrey with the Carolina Panthers who had a decent rookie year and I'm expecting more out of him next year. And people have kind of forgotten just how weird, insanely good he was in college. And uh, I think the Panthers will utilize him more moving forward. He's a great addition to go along with, with uh, Cam Newton. Number nine, Kareem Hunt rookie year was pretty much up and down for him. Uh, I mean, we all saw what he did the first, the, literally the NFL opening game, what he did. And it kind of plateaued from there. He, he had a couple other good games, but I expect to see him build on that a little bit. He's got good upside potential and hey, University of Toledo. What else can I say? Number eight, Derek Henry, who I believe people are really sleeping on. Uh, I mean, the Titans have... Now it's like he he's probably RB1 right now. He's got like what Dion Lewis is his competition. I totally expect to see him more in kind of a power run game. Interesting. What do you Eric think? Henry. That's yeah. that's a surprising one. I don't have two of those guys on my list. Well, I, I'm, I, I'm gonna say that it, I'm gonna say that it's not a Jeremy Langford type inclusion, but um I mean a, it'll be interesting to see how things play on Tennessee. Yeah, I think I think if there's one if there's an upside for for it, like Derrick Henry has a lot of upside. Like of of the the t- the bottom three I have here, they're all really young. Yeah, guys going into like around. their second year, and like that that's kind of the thing though, right? Is that running back pool is kind of a little low as far as you know. There's a few other guys floating around beneath this, but I I'm, I'm really banking on some of these guys to improve on their years. Yeah, I mean, running back's a position where youth is very, very important. I just think there are some young guys out there that are a little bit better than some of these dudes. All right, well, let's have you uh, go on up, Jeremy. Let's give you your 10, 9, 8. All right, well, let me start with one of those guys. And this is a guy that I am very excited about in the 2018 season. I think if I were a fantasy football player, I'd be eyeing this guy in the second round. Alex Collins. I'm, I'm very high on Alex Collins. He was one of the most exciting runners last year. I still can't believe that the Seahawks cut him. But with the Ravens, he was breaking tackles. He he has incredible vision, too. You see some of the runs he made last year, some of the big runs he made, and he had six rushes of 20 yards or more. Average 4.6 a carry. This guy is very, very exciting to watch. 
fourth in pro football focuses grades too as well. So this is a guy I'm, I'm, I think people are sleeping on him a little bit. I think Ravens fans know how good he is, but I'm, I'm, I think he's due for a breakout year and I'm very excited about him. My number nine, Mark Ingram. This is a guy I had been sleeping on for a very long time, but I can no longer do so. Back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons, back-to-back seasons with at least 4.9 yards per carry, which is insane. Uh, Listen, I I know a lot of this has to do with the Saints, and the Saints make running backs look very, very good. But Mark Ingram has been doing it consistently enough now where you have to give him some credit. Are you taking a consideration, though, that he's going to start the season with a four-game suspension? I'm not. Okay. I'm just I'm 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 more considering talent level here more, more right. than anything else. Well, are um, you also considering that? And I'm sure this name will come up later in some of these other list casts too. Like he's going to be splitting time with Alvin Kamara as well. We'll we'll talk about Alvin Kamara in a bit. I'll just put okay. it that way. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. Uh, my number eight is Jordan Howard. Not to give the Bears too much credit here, but also I think uh, an underappreciated guy across the league. Six in rushing yards last year. He was second in 2016. My only concern is that his efficiency dropped quite a bit this year. He was 5.2 a carry in 2016, just 4.1 last year. The Bears' offensive line, as I wrote this week, I think is one of the better in in the league. So I think he's going to have a rebound year this this season. Um, even though you know they have Tariq Cohen as well, but. I think Jordan Howard is is kind of their all-purpose back there and uh, brings a lot of talent to that backfield. All right, Ryan, you're up. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, that's a guy that I had at number 10 was uh, Jordan Howard. Uh, a 95.5 pass-blocking efficiency grade from Pro Football Focus, and that was second in the NFL. So like you said, Jeremy, he's a guy who can, I mean, he's truly a three-down back. They have Cohen there. Um, they've done some stuff to improve their offensive line. I think he'll kind of have a little bit back, uh, like a, bounce back in terms of uh, efficiency um, from an efficiency standpoint in in Chicago this season. So uh, 10 Jordan Howard, number nine, Saquon Barkley. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to put him in the top 10. Wow. I like that. Um, This is, this is, this is the Wally stroke. Okay. You know, he he uh, was right on Gurley. Walt was, well, Walt was real big on Ezekiel Elliott too. So, I mean, he, he knows where to swing them. So, I'm putting Barkley at number nine. I mean, I feel like they just did a lot this offseason to help, you know, bolster their offensive line, like getting Solder, um, drafting the guard that I like that I'm totally blanking on right now at the beginning of the second round. I think I think they've proven last year that probably they will lean more on the ground game rather than try to lean on Eli Manning as much as possible. Yeah, and I mean, when when you have somebody like Odell Beckham Jr. being healthy and Sterling Shepard, you know, oh, they drafted Will Hernandez. That's, oh, that, yeah, that's that guy's right. that guy's going to be a, a mauler in the run game. So um, I like Saquon. I'm, I'm going to put him in my top 10. Uh, and number eight, uh, Leonard Fournette. He might be higher on some of your guys' list. Maybe he might not be on your list at all. Um, but I have Fournette at number eight. I know a lot of people knock him because his uh, yards per carry was at 3.9 last season. Um, but he was a little dinged up. He missed some time. He only played 13 games. Um, but, I mean... I, I think that he's probably going to make some adjustments. He's going to get some more carries this year. Uh, he still averaged 80 yards per game, which was fifth in the NFL. So, I mean, Jacksonville did run the ball with him a lot. So I think they'll do the same thing next year too. Yeah, yeah. Leonard Leonard Fournette is my number seven. So I'll just, uh, I can just jump into mine. Did you have something to say about Fournette, Jeremy? Is I, he I don't. 
I don't have him on my list, but you know, you think about it was a playoff game against New England, right? Did he go down or he went down earlier? It looked like he was going to go down early because I think he jumped right back into the game. But I just remember at that point, everyone's like, "Oh man, they might not have a shot in this game." But then he came back, and and you know, they obviously competed with the Patriots in that game pretty strongly. But I don't know. I, I think I just need to see more out of Fournette. He's he's the Jaguars are such a run heavy team that I don't know how much is him and how much is, is just the Jaguars scheme. Because like you said, yeah, maybe he was, is he was, what'd you say? Fifth in yards per game. But yeah, if he's, if he's only averaging 3.9 yards per carry, that just means he's getting a ton of carries. Yeah, it is, but I don't know. I like him. Yeah. He's my, he's my number seven. I, I kind of like him. I, I probably have him probably a little higher. I should have probably switched him with like Kareem Hunt or something, but I do think he's got some good upside. I don't, I've seen some people like placing him even higher on top 10 lists though. So I really don't know what to make of that, to be honest. But, it's tough with I mean, these young guys. Tough. It is tough. And we do have a lot of young running backs coming into the game right now that we got to figure out to slot. So as I said, Leonard Fournette is my number seven, my number six, and he's probably higher for you guys. And you can bash on me or call it up a, a Langford or whatever. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is only number six on mine because I'm, I'm, and it's not for anything on the field other than the fact that like, you know, he missed time last year and everyone's like, Oh, he'll be able to put that behind him this year. But I don't know. Like, it just seems like the Cowboys are once again headed for some, uh, what's the word I want to look for? Troubled waters, I guess. And Ezekiel Elliott seems to love to throw himself into that. And I'm not saying off the field translate to on the field, but yeah, I, I I don't I don't know what to make of the Cowboys this year. I really don't. Like the, the NFC East is always just a mystery. Always it's a, it's a, mystery. a damn mystery, and I'm just tracking down on Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. Like he, he's had some decent stats. He was good, but I mean he's just he, I, I I don't I don't know. 2016 was a really he led the league in 2016. But there's just too many unknowns for me to really say, oh, yeah, he's going to be top five. I mean, you, you can play the Cowboys offensive line card, and I think that would be an okay argument. But I just I don't know how you keep yeah, that's Elliott out of though. Well, that's what I'm saying. If that's your argument that, the, you know, the, the Cowboys offensive line is just so good that anyone can, can run well, that's, that's an okay argument. I think it has its limits. But to me, I, I don't know how you keep Ezekiel Elliott out of the top three. Top three? Wow, yeah. okay. Well, you do your seven and six then. I want to see this. All right. My number seven, the long-forgotten David Johnson. Whoa. Uh, At seven? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Well, you think you should be higher? Hell yeah. No spoilers. No spoilers. Uh, I mean, let's 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 hold off on him a little bit. He had one good season so far. Obviously, mm-hmm. the one injury. One good season? <laughs> okay, well, yeah, he led he led the team led the league in, in yards from scrimmage. scrimmage, yeah, over two thousand. Really, yeah. really, really good. I'm not going to take anything away from that season, but we got to we got to see more. I, I maybe I'm pulling a Mike Payton saying 2018 he's going to have a down year like oh Todd Gurley. <laughs> no, no, no. I I think David Johnson's a great player. He's obviously extremely well rounded. His ability to catch the ball is very, very good. But I need to see more. I just and coming off a serious injury, you have to wonder how he's going to rebound. And you know, I 
he could certainly be a top five running back in this league this year. But I just, when you're coming off an injury like that, he also wasn't playing that, that well in the season opener against the Lions, might I add, before he went down. But All right. I don't know. I, I'm just I'm I'm waiting on David Johnson. He he definitely belongs right, in the top ten, we, maybe close to the top five. We need to let Ryan get in here so we can get this before our break. So who's your number six? Uh, Lashawn McCoy, because this mm-hmm. is a guy who has proved it year in and year out. And I just got an Alex Reno Escarone from Ryan. But Lashawn, no, McCoy's- I think I think he's groaning for a different reason. But we'll see. We'll have to see what the top five show us. Okay, but he's had 1,100 rushing yards for four out of the five last seasons. He's as a in a career he's averaging 4.6 yards per carry, and this is the point that matters to me the most. He's done it with a couple teams because you can't pull the argument that oh he's just had a good offense blinder. He's been under a good scheme. He's done it under two different teams. He's proven himself to be a top 10 running back year after year, and I think people don't appreciate that. All right, Ryan, take us home. All right. Uh- uh, I'll be quick with it. Number seven, Dalvin Cook. Might not be in anybody else's list, but I think that that guy was really good before he got hurt. Sure, it's going to be a question mark on how he bounces back, but um, I think that he has the talent and the ability to really put together a nice season if, if he gets to play all 16 games or even somewhat close to that. So uh, Dalvin Cook, my number seven. Number six, he might be higher on your guys' list, but I have uh, Kareem Hunt at number six. Um, 73.1% elusive rating, second in the NFL. Pretty good. Led the NFL in rushing last year. Also pretty good. Um, I just think that there is room to regress, especially with Andy Reid as your head coach. He'll find a way to fuck this up. <laughs> yeah. Well, and have I a new, mean, new quarterback ne- next year, too. Yep. And and spending a boatload of money on Sammy Watkins, they clearly are going to try to pass the ball a lot with Watkins and Hill and Kelsey. And I mean, Kareem Hunt, maybe, I mean, Kareem Hunt is a yeah. Yes, he's, yeah, yeah, he's a very good receiving back. Um, I just think that there are a lot of good running backs in the NFL, so this isn't really a slight on Kareem Hunt as much as it is you know there are just a lot of good running backs in the NFL. I mean, I put him down at number nine just because, like, as you said, like, it's it's amazing they led the league as he did because, like, in the middle of the season, he was just putting up some real stinker games, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're you're absolutely right. It's just, it's interesting, though. 4.9 yards per carry, top, like you said, leading rusher in the league. Neither of you have him in the top five. Well, we'll see. We're going to take a quick break, and we're getting into the top five, so we'll have to see what's going to come out. Maybe it's not as cut and dry as we originally thought the way this uh, has been flowing out here. So we'll be right back. And POD cast, nay, list cast continues. Actually, it's supposed to be backwards when you're using the nay. I'm not good with that extra English stuff. Anyway, ListCast continues. We're doing our top 10 running backs. We are into the top five now. So I'm going to reverse it now, and I'll let Ryan go first for five, four, and three. Oh, shoot. Okay, here we go. Do you not have your list um, together again? No, it, it, it's totally ready. It's totally <laughs> ready. Totally here. Uh, okay, so number five. Number five is Alvin Kamara. Might be. Uh, might be somewhere else on your guys' list, but I think this is a good spot for him because if, uh, you know, kind of going to Jeremy's point about wanting to see a little bit more out of David Johnson than just one year, um, I also want to see what Alvin Kamara is able to do with a full workload, especially in those first four weeks without 
uh, Mark Ingram to kind of play tag team with him. So he is a guy who only had 120 rushing attempts, but I mean, he did average 6.1 yards per carry. So a lot can be said about that. 81 catches for 826 yards. I mean, the guy just piled up yards, great catch percentage. I mean, everything about him just screams that he, you know, if you give him more opportunities, he probably will be even better than he was last season. Um, But it's one of those things where I just got to see it. Number five on my list uh, was Alvin Kamara. Number four is David Johnson. I have David Johnson there because he's really freaking good. He's really good. (laughs) Like he missed 15 games last season and like it was a wrist injury. You know, I mean, he got clear. He was like cleared medically by like the end of the season, but like they just didn't want to bring him back. So um, I I think that he could have played if, you know, the Cardinals were playing for anything of any importance by the end of last season. But I think they took the the right route and, you know, let him get back to 100 percent. And, you know, let's go back, rewind a little bit when Jeremy said he was good. And then he was like, okay, he's really, really good. No, when you have over 2000 yards from scrimmage in a season, that's like incredible but uh i think the other thing too real quick is that you know with having sam bradford there um with having um uh rose in there um i think they'll probably lean on david johnson a little bit more than than maybe some of these other guys on the list so i think he'll just get a lot of opportunities and then my number three real quick ezekiel elliott uh, this was where it was really hard like one through three i it, it, it i mean put him in any order because I, when Elliott played last season, and I won't get into the fact that Jameis Winston only gets suspended three games when there's literal evidence that proves his guilt versus yeah, Ezekiel Elliott. I, I want to talk about this in the mailbag. Games. I don't know if we have this in the mailbag questions, but I do want to talk about Jameis Winston. But uh, continue. Yeah, we'll see. But anyways, I mean, Ezekiel Elliott last year, he only played 10 games, but he averaged the most yards per game of any running back at 98.3. And more than really anyone good. else. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I think he'll come back. I think he'll come back with probably a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Also, that offense um, clearly works better with Elliott in it. So I think that I think that him him coming back will be a big boost for um, not only the Cowboys, but uh, also for himself. That makes sense. Ryan. All right, Jeremy. Yep. Go ahead, Jeremy. You got your- number five. Kareem Hunt. I'm very surprised to see that I'm the one that has him the highest because I thought you guys were like total stands for him, but maybe you're a I little more objective him. than I than I gave you credit for. I, I love him. He's Toledo boy, but I, I'm just again, maybe it's that middle of the season sits on me a little harder than sure. it should. Like it should. again, I mean, I, it yeah. shocks me. It it shocks me that he is was the rushing leader last year. Like going back when I was doing my notes, I'm like, wait, he was the rushing leader. That can't be right. It had to be Leonard Fournette or someone. It couldn't, or like, I, yeah. I didn't, I just didn't think it would be Hunt just because he had some stinker games. Like, well, yeah, he after other games, but he after, would just have some sli- silent ones too. After October 20th, he only had 200 plus yard games total. And that's total yardage, not that, not just rushing, rushing and receiving. Only had two games after October 20th, over 100 yards. So, yeah, that, that's certainly a concern, but. When he's on his game, he's scary. He is scary. And again, all facets of the game. When when we get this deep in the list, I'm looking at guys who can do multiple things. Kareem Hunt is that dude. Uh, another one of those dudes is Alvin Kamara, my number four. Ryan said six point yards per carry, insane. Has a kick, had a kickoff return touchdown. Also, 
There's a dog in my room also. What's up, Dougie? Uh, second in pro football focus, six in total yards. Uh, I'm, I am a little concerned about what happens when he gets a full load um, of, of carries early in the season. I, I'm not exactly with you. Ryan says, you know, once you get all these opportunities, you're necessarily going to do better. I think sometimes you you benefit from kind of being uh, a change of pace guy, a guy that isn't necessarily your feature back. But I think that's what I said. Is that what you said? <laughs> it's probably what I meant. <laughs> okay. I it. But yeah, but I agree. Elvin, Elvin Kamara is one of the most exciting players in the league right now. I oh, sure. I get excited when the ball's in his hand and and yeah. He he's very close to cracking the top three for me, but oh hold on, I can, just a quick sidebar, not even related. List cast idea: the top ten players that you are excited to see on red zone on Sundays, because I think Alvin Ooh. Kamara might be my number one. Ooh. Not to spoil the entire list, but mm-hmm. like though, like Kamara was a guy last year that I was like, if the Saints like red zone came on, I'm stopping whatever I'm doing. It doesn't matter if I'm chewing uh, food. It doesn't matter if I'm like totally trying to concentrate on something else. Like I'm just like glued to the television to watch this guy, like jump over somebody or break six tackles or do something amazing. But yeah, you're, you're going to play your boy Deshaun Watson like that. Um, we're not on speaking terms right now. Oh, okay. <laughs> Who's your number uh, three? My number three is also Ezekiel Elliott. Um, I'm just going to mirror everything Ryan said. The, the only thing I'll say about Ezekiel Elliott is that I think you can tell a lot about a player by the way they respond to adversity. And he was just kind of okay last year. He did average, like you said, the most yards per game, but 4.1 per carry is, is less than what Ezekiel should be rushing for. So um, kind, of hard. kind of hard going week to week where it's like, you're suspended. Sure. Nope. You can come back on Thursday. But, but these are athletes that have not dealt with adversity their entire football careers. And it hits everyone hard in the NFL. And it probably hit Ezekiel Elliott harder than it's hit some other guys in the NFL. But um, you're going to have to handle adversity. And I, th- I think he did a fine job. I mean, that's why he's still number three on my list, but it's why he wasn't number one, although he was at one point during my list. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm just going to do my five, four, three real quick because my four and five are the same as Ryan, Alvin Kamara, David Johnson. So whatever he said sticks right there. My number three, and this is where I want to know from Ryan because I haven't heard his name yet. And Jeremy had him earlier and elicited a groan. But my number three is LaShawn McCoy. This was so, the year where I decided that I am no longer a LaShawn McCoy fan. All right, fair enough. Well, I'm just going to say this. There are only seven NFL backs in NFL history that have had more yards per scrimmage in their 20s than McCoy. And he's now 30. And I know that by running back standards, that makes him like an ancient, like a like some muscle, some American muscle car from the seventies or something. But you know what? I, the the situation he has in Buffalo where it's just not going to be going through the air. He's going to be putting in a lot of work probably in, in Buffalo. And I think that is prime ground for him just to really show that he's still a really, probably, probably one of the, uh, probably a all time great running back. And I know Ryan's not a fan, but I am. But but at one point there was no bigger fan of LaShawn McCoy than myself. So I totally agree with you, Chris. Like up to this point in his career, even last year, like he was fourth in the NFL in yards for yards from scrimmage. At the same time, though, like you said, thirty is just the number for whatever reason. Like yeah. thirty is just the I number. Guess. 
That, I, I, I'm going to have to see that though. I can't, I can't buy into that. Like I can't buy into that with like rock stars about like, you know, age 27 and they're all going to fucking die or whatever. So <laughs> one thing that's interesting that you just said though, is, is that he, you know, who might go down as one of the all time great running backs. And I thought about that for a second and he should, but I don't think he will. And in a way his, no, he'll be hauled very good. Yeah. In it, in a way, I think his career kind of mirrors Donovan McNabb, which is kind of interesting since they're both former Eagles, but like super underappreciated their entire careers, but put up pretty good stats consistently. Like insanely good stats. And again, like I think you mentioned, Jeremy, he's done it with multiple teams, right? Yeah. And he's going to he's going to be doing it in Buffalo, just a team that's not going to do much of anything for nothing. So, yeah, I mean, there there was a 2013 season where he had I mean, he led the league in, in rushing with 1,607 yards. And he had 2,146 yards from scrimmage, 100.4 yards per game. I mean, that's incredible. 2011, he had 17 rushing touchdowns. And career 4.6 yards per carry is pretty impressive. I don't care what sort of offensive lines or schemes you've been in. That's pretty damn impressive. For For what, 10 years? Nine years? I mean, he'll, he'll he'll end up with over like 500 receptions at least over, you know, close to like, close to 4,000 rush or 4,000 receiving yards too as a, Mm -hmm. as a back. I want to believe the urban myth that when he jukes a defender, he whispers shady. (laughs) That's been apparently a myth in the league. He will not cop to it. I believe it to be true. I want to believe. All right. We have about five minutes, so let's go real quick. Two and one. So I think I I'm going to, I haven't heard the names here, but I, there's been enough curveballs here that I'm kind of confident we're going to see something some weird stuff happening. So Ryan, who is your number two? And then who is your number one? Uh, my number two is Todd Gurley. My number two is Todd Gurley because the guy at number one is in a contract year. And I think that, I think <laughs> oh, that man. that's going to be everything that he needs in order to prove to the NFL that he is the, maybe the best skill position player in the NFL. <sighs> Of course you go, Michigan State guy. Just real quick for the numbers for for Gurley. He was incredible last season. 2,093 yards from scrimmage, 19 total touchdowns between, you know, rushing and receiving, average 4.7 yards per carry. The Rams are great. I'm just sick of talking about the Rams because they're going to be so good. Um, And that's not an indictment on Todd Gurley. He's awesome. I love Nightcrawler, but at the same time, (laughs) <laughs> don't underestimate don't ever underestimate the power of the contract year especially have, with the drama that's been surrounding bell for how many yeah. years you know like do now's have, the tipping point do you have the same one and two jeremy i have the same players Ooh. okay so oh actually so you're you're in okay we might as well just say because i'm in your camp too i have Le'Veon bell number two and todd Gurley number one i do it was it was so hard i i never want to put Le'Veon bell second on any list except for maybe players I regret not putting number one uh but I don't know I to me it's just there were signs of a little bit of regression last year 4.0 yards per carry not that great but we're talking about a Steelers team that probably wasn't as good as the teams that he's been on before he's also been a real big workhorse back 321 carries last year he has a total of 1,229 in his career, while Ezekiel Elliott has 562, Gurley has 786. I think I think that number there, 321 times, like that is going to be the thing that probably knocks him down in any kind of negotiations for that kind of year. And 
I, I will guarantee you the Steelers will be handing him. This is his contract year, as, as Ryan says, and he's going to get the ball handed to him a ton, but they are going to wring every ounce of blood out of them to do yep. that. And that's why he's going to be the best running back in the NFL this year. <laughs> I, I just want to say, though, for Todd Gurley and why I have him number one, like you mentioned his stats there, Ryan. There are only like three players in NFL history to have over 2,000 yards scrimmage, over 10 rushing touchdowns, and six uh, receiving touchdowns. And that's like Marshall Falk, OJ Simpson, and Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley is young. And I know you're sick of saying it, but damn, the Rams are good, man. The Rams are really, really, really good. And Todd Gurley is a big reason why they're going to be really, really, really good. Yeah. And the fact that Sean McVay was, the, was able to find out that the dude can catch the ball too. 788 receiving yards last year. Are you kidding me? He only had 500 in his first two years combined. Well, and, and to go to that point too, Pro Football focuses uh, yards per route run, 2.14, which put him second, only behind Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara's number was stupid, 2.84. But like, he's ahead of guys like Duke Johnson Jr., who everybody knows is a receiving back. Theo Riddick, who is a receiving back. Jarek McK- like, the fact that he can, he's just an everything guy. He can guy. do everything. Like, he's he can just do everything. an everything yeah. guy. Like he even does the receiving better than the receiving. He does the receiving better than the receiving backs do the receiving. So it's just, he's an insane talent. And, but Le'Veon Bell's the same way. Yeah. And Le'Veon brings, brings some pass protection too. I'm I'm not sure what Gurley's pass protection is like, but Le'Veon I know is good at it too. So that, that might be something that gives him an edge, but I just, I'm, I'm more excited about Todd Gurley right now than I am about Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, I'm there too. And this is probably the one time where I'm like, you know, I, I put up LaShawn McCoy higher because old man's strong, but I'm, I am putting Le'Veon Bell down a bit versus his young usurper because once once he starts to fade, it's going to be Todd Gurley's world. And we're all going to be living in uh, it. R- real quick, uh, Todd Gurley, 13th on pro football focuses for run black, uh, run, uh, r- uh pass blocking efficiency. Yes, 91.9. Le'Veon Bell, 15th at 90.9. Oh, all right. So they're there pretty even there. Yeah. yeah, I like it. All right. We're gonna, that's flavors. our list cast. Yeah, choose, choose your weapon. Choose your player. All right, we're taking a quick break here. That's our list cast done. Running backs. Jeremy will have the uh, notes. If you want to argue with us about any of that, don't argue with me. I'll just simply shrug at you and be like, I don't know. <laughs> we're stepping in the way back machine because once again, we've got to go through the pain with a little bit of pliers and maybe just maybe we'll get to some good stuff out of it. And then mailbag is after that. POD cast rolls along. That's not recorded. I do a new one each time. We are back. How can we tell? Do you have a newspaper with today's date on it? No, I have a newspaper with the date of October 30th, 2017, which is the date we are in right now, Jeremy. That was that was a professional segue. I'm going to go you. ahead and say it. That was amazing. That, that almost seemed like we scripted it. Pittsburgh Steelers, 20. Detroit Lions at home, 15. Another home loss for the Detroit Lions. As the skid now reaches, this is now what? The, the third straight loss, four out of their last five have now been losses. And the Lions, once looking at 
you know, three and one should have probably been four, depending on where you think about the Atlanta game. Now all of a sudden it's like, okay, well now we're, you know, two close losses. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, New Orleans, well, that's really their first, you know, big digit loss or whatever. And then Pittsburgh comes in right after the bye week and just lays you flat on the ground in your own building. I think that's a mischaracterization of this game. I don't care. <laughs> Once uh, again, a, a game where Matthew Stafford like throws 423 yards and no interceptions, but, but somehow no touchdowns either. So what, what what happened in this one, Jeremy? I mean, it 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 seems like an oversimplification, but it's absolutely not. The line's fucked up in the red zone. That's it. Like there, I can throw out all these crazy stats from this game. Lions had the third most offensive yards in this game from a team that didn't score an offensive touchdown. They had 17 plays in the red zone. Those totaled nine yards. They had seven plays on the goal line within five yards of the end zone. Seven of those plays totaled five yards. I mean, there's there's nothing to be said about this game other than that. The, the Lions outgained the Steelers by 100 yards. They outgained them on a per-play basis. They won the turnover battle, and they still lost by a touchdown, essentially, just because they couldn't get it done in the red zone. It, it was one of the most frustrating yeah, games I've it? ever had to watch. Juju Smith-Schuster was the def- deciding, the, the game-winning touchdown here, pretty much. A 97-yard pass from Roethlisberger to Juju. Just seconds after the Lions failed on a fourth and goal when they had three straight plays from the Pittsburgh one-yard line. And and that play also happened on third and nine. Yep. 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 Actually, technically, that wasn't even game-winning because Pittsburgh was already ahead by a point or so, but that, that sealed the game. There was no coming back from that. The Lions had, like, a very sad field goal on the next drive after that touchdown and then fumbled the ball and then lost it on downs and that sealed the game. Well, yeah, but that's the thing. Like the Lions had that chance at the end of the game. Ebron had that huge play all the way down the sideline and it looked like he was going to score. And then the minute he got tackled at the Pittsburgh 11 yard line, we're like, well, definitely not winning this game. We know the Lions aren't going to be able to score in the red zone. And once again, this is where I think the Ebron, I, I, I keep saying all, all this season, that we've been going back through is like, yeah, there, there's the Ebron narrative, but this year the narrative actually struck true. Ebron did drop a pretty critical pass. I think I even remember too, because, was, because this was a Sunday night football telecast. I remember the boo birds being out like in full force. And I, I think I remember like either Collinsworth or Michael's like making, I mean, I can almost remember like Michael saying something snide about it. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was, this is where it, I, I think it hit a, hit a fever it pitch. This mm-hmm. is where it really curdled. I just want to say I mentioned Juju Smith-Schuster, and I'm going to mention him again because I, I'm a USC guy, but he had almost 200. He put up nearly 200 yards on the Lions this game. He was averaging like like even a still probably averaging, averaging close to like 20 yards a catch, even taking away that 97-yard one. Like he just beat up the Lions. Oh, yeah. Right. Well, he, and he, I think... Just, I mean, to go real quick back to Ebron, this was also the game right before the trade deadline. So, yep. and everyone so, wanted him gone. Yeah, and yeah, this this game I think solidified that. And you know, the Lions had talks about it, whether whether they'll admit it or not. It's pretty clear the Lions came close to trading Eric Ebron at the at the trade deadline. It, it didn't end up happening, but 
what's interesting is happen what happens next in the Eric Ebron saga, but we'll get to that next week. Yep. I right. think what's fascinates me about this game is like the Lions obviously did not do much on the ground. 71 yards total. 11 of those came from Stafford. Amir Abdullah averaged less than three yards, like 2.5 yards a carry. This was really bad for the ground game, but it's not like the Steelers ground game was much better. Le'Veon Bell was averaging only about like three yards a carry, but he had like 25 carries. Uh, so, but yet combined the Steelers and the Lions put up close to about 700 yards through the air. So what was, what was really going on here? Like, because we've been talking here quite a bit about the vaunted Lions secondary and yeah, they got an interception off of Ben Roethlisberger, but other than that, he got to throw all over them. I don't know, man. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger had that good of a game. No, I mean, he he didn't, but still, that's a lot of production right there, Jeremy. Is it? I mean, it's, it's like a third of his yards came on one play. Okay, here know. we go again. I can't. I can't keep doing this with Jeremy, where he says a, a, a third of them came on one play. Because we do this every. Because we do this every week with you. We have a meme for it now. That oh, if you take away his one play, all of a sudden it, it's <laughs> not that good. But but what you said is Ben Roethlisberger threw all over this team all game. That didn't happen. Okay, it well, how did you characterize what happened? No, because I, I'm looking he at it. He scored 20 points. You tell me he threw all over them? He barely completed half his passes. I don't know. I, I They won. They Sure, they won. But Matthew Stafford threw for 400 yards. And the Lions didn't win. So Matthew Stafford didn't throw all over the Steelers? Clearly not. Um, <laughs> Pat, Pat, Pat Stafford. Pat Stafford. Um, okay, that. so let let me let me let me. I'm I'm obviously joking, but um, let let me throw my two cents in. First of all, uh, Juju had maybe the best touchdown celebration of the year when he did the what I called the Jeremy Reisman, um, went over and put the chain over the stationary bike because his bike had got stolen. Remember <laughs> the previous yep. week? Yep. Um. So that, that was by a great way, celebration. Way, he did come down to. I saw him. I saw him on the sidelines at USC. I think like a week. What was it? It was the Arizona game. So I think that was like. I, I want to say that was maybe a week before. Or after it was. It was no. It was after this, and he was riding a bike. His bike al- alongside the sidelines, the Coliseum. So he got. Well, he got a lot to of, see. Yeah, he he got a lot of uh, use out of the the bike stuff. Um. This was undoubtedly a game that the Detroit Lions should have won. Like, is that something that I think that we can agree on? Because they had literally every opportunity to win this game and they didn't. Like, I feel like this is a game that hopefully like next year, like if the same exact game played out, like things would be different. Yeah. Well, and I think the one of the biggest narratives to come out of this game outside of the red zone stuff outside of the Eric Ebron stuff is I think this was the beginning of the end for Jim Caldwell because he I had mean, a couple decisions that he had a couple decisions, decisions yeah. that, that people thought I didn't think they were wrong decisions personally, but they, they had that fourth and goal from the one yard line. They went for it. Stafford got sacked on the play and then they go around. Then the next possession that in, in that possession, they were down by one. So a field goal would have put them up. Their next position now they're down by five, I believe. They're or, yes, sorry. 
The other thing yeah. too on this is that by this time now we've seen it's what week eight. We've seen the narratives evolve and we've seen, oh, the New York Giants aren't good. Oh, the the Arizona Cardinals aren't good. So really the only good win the Lions have right now on their record is Minnesota. So Wait. like suddenly it's looking like this isn't a team like again, we talked about this the Saints, but it's not a team that's and I know everyone groans at the narrative, but the Lions just aren't winning against good teams right now. But yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, okay, let me just clear up what I was saying before real quick. Lines down by one, fourth and goal from the one. They go for it. They don't make it. Next possession, they're down by eight, fourth and goal from the one, I believe, again, they kick a field goal. So I, I can see from how on the outside that looks bad. If there's one I have a problem with, it's the second one. I think you should yeah, I hate almost that. always I hate go for it in fourth and goal from the one. I hate that field goal so much. Especially, especially when you're a touchdown and a two-point conversion away from tying the game up. Right. But like if you like if you had the confidence in going for it earlier on fourth and one, but now all of a sudden you don't have the confidence when clearly you're going to be in two. You're going to be in two situations where you need to convert on both of those to tie the game and you don't have the same confidence that you did earlier in your team to do that. And I mean, I I think I get what was going through Caldwell's head. Once again, we talked about this. He seemed to really like this idea of trying to lean on his defense late in games where they're behind. And I mean, to to his credit, the next series it paid off. Three play three and out for the for the Steelers. They only shave off a minute from the clock. But then the Lions go 45 yards and then fumble the ball. And then the Steelers get to hold on to it for four, four and a half minutes and just kind of, you know, waste away the time. But the thing that kills me is like all of those decisions, all of, whether they were right or wrong, Lions still have that opportunity in the, the game. They're inside the Pittsburgh yeah. 20-yard line and just can't get it done. And Jeremy. Yes. I want to ask you a question. Okay. Okay. Le'Veon Bell had 25 carries for 76 yards, mm-hmm. only two catches for five yards. Antonio Brown had five catches for 70 yards. If I told you those things before the game, would you say the Lions <laughs> won that game or lost that game? Exactly. Yeah. Those are great numbers for the Lions defense. And like, there's no incredible. And, yeah. And, and you say in the same breath that Stafford throws for 400 yards the Lions have three receivers who had over 80 yards receiving. And they won the turnover battle. How do they, they won the lose turnover this battle. game? How do you lose that How game? How do they lose this game? Very oh, carefully. Very carefully. Carefully. Uh, this, I mean, this is just so frustrating because this is one of the, the best franchises in the NFL in, in modern history. The Lions prime had time. them exactly Six where they wanted. Word. In prime time coming off the bye week to move to either over 500 or under 500. And the Lions pulled this game, the most frustrating game of all the entire season. Such a wet fart of a game. Such a wet fart. So that's how we, yeah, that's how we cap off this triumvirate of losses. You have a close loss with Carolina that is filling around. You get a beat down from New Orleans, which somehow you crawl back into kind of. And then you have a game where it just, you don't know how you lost. And between those three and a bye week in there, it's a lot of frustration for fans to simmer on for four weeks running now. Right. And and all in the meanwhile, Minnesota's already running away from the division. Oh, they're yeah. The division at this point. Yeah, they, they're they have like the almost out of hand. They have the division. Aaron Rodgers is on the IR at this point, And it just it, it the north belongs to Minnesota. Yep. Ugh. 
<sighs> riddle me this batman like pittsburgh was seven of 14 on their third down conversions pretty darn good but detroit was two of four they were two of 12 on third down conversions two of 14 on third and fourth down conversions total but pittsburgh had less time of possession even though they're converting more third downs that's that's pretty oh. odd like what part Game. Again, I, I think I think it's true what Jeremy's saying. Like it, I, I'm looking at how many field goals are being thrown in this game. What do we have? Like four field goals. Like the just oh, Lions are just inefficient at this. They take up all this time. They have, let's see. So they have those four field goals, two two turnovers on down, and a fumble. Like that, they're they're dry. So few of their drives are actually ending in any any points that matter. Right. And they're just I... wait, like every time they fumble or turnover and downs, like let's see here, the turnover and downs, uh, the first one, that's after they have five minutes of possession there. That second turnover and downs near the end of the game, three minutes. So that they nearly shaved off like half of a quarter just to fumble, just to turn those over on downs. Yeah, six six drives of eight plays or more, and you mm-hmm. get 15 points. My favorite line from Alex Reno's recap is Matt Prater is your special teams player of the week by sheer volume. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. All right. Let's step out of the way back machine and go back to July of 2018. All right. Thankfully what's coming up next and way back for next week is a little bit of comfort food, but I mean, this is whatever. Remember that Quandre Diggs tackle on Antonio Brown? That was fun. I don't because we're in 2018 now. Oh, whoops. The, only thing you, the only thing you're supposed to care about I'm, in 2018 I'm... is the coming season where the Lions will obviously run the table. Sorry, that was my prediction for the Super Bowl. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, mailbag is coming up next. Hey, sports fans, football season's here, and it's time to get in on the action with MyBookie. MyBookie is the industry-leading sports betting website that offers real Vegas odds on football, baseball, and all your favorite sporting events. You can take a side, the total, or even fantasy points props. MyBookie lets you bet online and win big. Did the game already kick off? Don't sweat it. MyBookie has in-game live betting on every major league and event even esports. There's no better time to join MyBookie than today. Go to MyBookie to open an account and start winning. Use promo code CHAMPION when you register for your account and get a 100% sign-up bonus up to $1,000 on your first deposit. Bet today. Visit MyBookie's website or call 844-866-2387. That's 844-866-2387. Check them out today and use promo code CHAMPION for a 100% bonus. Terms and conditions apply for entertainment purposes only. Void where prohibited. Melta. 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 News here. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Mail time. Hashtag ask POD. As always, get your questions in. We read the best ones or as many as we can before we get bored of this, before Ryan decides he's going to turn on Fortnite. I should have probably not said that because it's probably triggered his brain to do something like that. So, yeah. I've already checked out. 
No, you, you haven't said what in. yet. Yeah. All right. We have reviews, Jeremy. We do. And you caught me off guard, so let me pull them up real quick. All right, here we go. Uh, our first review comes from Poop Guy 69 <laughs> Four Jeez. stars. It says mostly good. Overall solid cat. Solid podcast, though the host kind of blows. <laughs> Comparing him to Stugatz, trying to trying too hard to sound smart, etc. Despite his best efforts, though this podcast is worth your time. The other guys are funny. Damn it! I'm not ruining this podcast hard enough. Clearly. <laughs> uh, second review comes from Morgan Annie. Five stars. Great show with Ebron level prep. <laughs> Anyone that puts out a weekly Lions podcast is going to get five stars from me. All of you seem passionate about football and enjoy making the show. My only suggestion would be a little more preparation. Some segments seem disorganized, and it's a bit annoying to hear you bicker back and forth about what's supposed to be happening. Keep up the great work because it helps make my commute so much more enjoyable. Can I just say that? Because that, 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 that's something, though, when I get got into podcasting, and maybe this is where the adequate stuff comes into play, and some people might not like it. And I look, I get it because I've worked on commercial radio shows where they don't like this, but I'm a big believer in showing what happens behind the scenes. I am. I, I like not some some podcasts, some radio shows, they like being really like a well-oiled engine machine. But guess what you're missing? You're missing retakes. You are missing things that happen in the show uh, that happen behind the board. And they just play off those mistakes as though those that never happen. And that's not that's not uh, genuine to me. I believe in showing all of our I, I believe I believe in uh, showing all, all of warts. our blemishes, all of our warts. Yep. I believe in a thing called love. I was going to ask. Okay. Doesn't really be hard. <sighs> Don't take John, that out. We got to be raw and honest. I am. I, I'm keeping it in. John Whitaker asking us, if you had to move the Lions to another major U.S. city, which would you choose? Why would I want to do that? Because I I don't know like the lot they have to sell the lions because of bankruptcy or something. Uh, hmm, that's a tough question. So, am I asking where? Let, let's where assume do... let's assume there's no limit on like teams that can be in other cities too. Because the problem is at this point, like there's there's the the unoccupied cities would be like your options would be San Antonio or Portland or Oakland or something. Right. Maybe maybe throw St. Louis a bone. No. St. Louis doesn't deserve it. I don't know. I w- I've always really liked the city of Seattle and the fan base in Seattle, so I if I could somehow kick out the Seahawks and make it the the Seattle Lions, that'd be cool. Plus their colors. Seattle cool. Sea Lions. There you go. <laughs> Merge them together like I'm, the Steagles. Uh, uh, gross. Um I I'm moving them to Tallahassee. To Tallahassee? God, why? Have you been to Tallahassee? It's gross. No. Yeah. It's so gross. <laughs> okay. Keep on explaining the lions. <laughs> oh. Boo. <laughs> uh, I'd move them to LA so I can justify having my team here. But that's 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 the greedy answer there, I guess. That would have been my answer had I not just moved out of my apartment. Yeah, I was going to say. To be that honest, I really just picked Tallahassee because I know it's Southern and I knew it would elicit a response from Chris. <laughs> what about, what about I mean, there, there's some good Southern places you could end up with it, just not Northern Florida. 
Can we move them to Puerto Rico or no? What about San Diego? They have a vacancy. No. Hell no. Why not? Have you been there? No, not yet. Working on it. It's not. I mean, the city is fine, but fans are horrible. The stadium is horrible. No. I mean, you went there when it was like 120 degrees, too, so. It's true. I'm moving them to San Juan, Puerto Rico, because it's a hop, skip, and a jump away from Punta Cana. Punta Cana. <laughs> I was going to say, get that Caribbean Caribbean lion life. Oh, yes. Just blue Curacao on tap. Mm. <laughs> Real Honolulu <laughs> blue Kool-Aid. I know that's a different... No. Actually, what about Honolulu? No, Ma. Oh, there you oh, go. No, I like that. Wow. It only took us five minutes to get there. <laughs> <laughs> Josh LaFont asking us, and this is probably for Ryan, was the Drake Pusha beef real or a publicity stunt? I think it's real. It goes back way too far. Also, I think that what happened was Drake had Drake turned in his rough draft and then this whole beef happened. And you can tell by listening to Scorpion that there were a lot of rewrites. Pusha T put a red marker all over that album and then Drake had to go back and, and make corrections before he turned in his final copy. Yeah. And there are some, there are some bad, there's some bad lyrics on there. Like he, he graded, he graded it like C, he probably graded like C plus needs work on the rough draft. Oh, he, he may have gave him like a gentleman's D minus, but uh, like can, can recover on the final. Yes. Yes. Can recover on the final. There, there's right. a lyric on there where Drake says, I'm not with the rah, rah. I am a da, da. Oh Christ. <laughs> Right. See, and I even thought like Pusha's barbs against Drake were pretty weak to begin with, like what he was bringing to the table as evidence. But then Drake comes out with that and just it's like, oh, come on. Yeah. Ryan, how do you think all this talk, all this talk, talking shit about Drake is making me feel? What emotion would you say I'm going through right now? I'd say that you're upset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Thank you. Yep. Team up. Ryan Collins, should I go to a fireworks display and watch or buy my own fireworks and set them off? Oh, I mean, it depends. I mean, white people really like to set off fireworks before the 4th of July. Like, I mean, we've been, so, I, we've been doing it for, for a while here in, in South L.A. So, yeah. So, I mean, if I, not a lot of white gonna, people, but we're still doing it. I, I'm going to be surprised. Oh, it's, it's just something that like suburban white dads love to do. Like go to the go to the fireworks stand that's set up by the party store, spend like six hundred dollars, and especially now because you can get you know fireworks that leave the ground. They love doing it. So my grandparents used to live in a place in Pennsylvania called Conneaut Lake, which is like right over the border from Youngstown, Ohio. Fireworks not not legal in Pennsylvania, but legal over in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I are. guarantee you, we'd go there all the time there for in July for the fourth. Yeah. And we would just be like throwing, you know, fire snaps to the ground, blowing up M80s, uh, anything we get our hands on, just trying to keep people from losing their hand to a Roman candle. Like, that's good stuff. Buy your own. Buy your own. I think it's the answer. My answer is just go to a lake. Fireworks over a lake are the best. Yep, I would My agree. Favorite favorite place to watch fireworks no parks no rooftop stuff find yourself a lake and go there underdog asking us and this is for jeremy when you finally leave southern california what is the fast food joint you will miss the most oh boy it's too easy uh, to say in and out isn't it 
I guess, yeah. It's probably true. I, I also kind of want to say Wingstop because I lived within walking distance of one. There's Wingstops in Michigan, though. There are. But it won't. They're kind of few and far between. You won't get kind of the same Jer- thing with Chick Fil A too. We've been mentioning this on the podcast on and off. Jeremy and I do get the advantage of every time there's like something happening with the the Rams or the Lakers, or now apparently just the NBA draft. We will get text for like five free boneless wings with a large pop. Yeah, He's not going to have that in Michigan. That, though each one of those texts is just going to stab me in the heart a little more. But I, I ever- mean, unsubscribe. Unsubscribe is, now. Yeah. Okay. Right. So we we mentioned In and Out as far as burgers. Did you ever go to the Habit at all? Yeah, I've been to the Habit. It's, it's all right. It's fine. I I I think I'm yeah I'm between In and Out or the Habit. One of those two because I think the chicken sandwich at the Habit is kind of like the changer for me because I like chicken sandwiches more than burgers. But In and Out definitely has the best burgers. I mean, this is this is going to be one of my last Cali Boy statements of all time. But I'm going to Michigan. Fast food is going to be all right there. I'm going to miss the the really good food here. That's what I'm really concerned. I mean, about. California invented like the drive through and the burgers and everything else like that. There's still like cafes and diners around here that it's like they're the remnants of someone trying to jump on that fast food train from way way back. And you can tell, but you know what? You can get a buy one get one free burger there anyway. The fast food restaurant I frequent the most period is taco bell which is the saddest thing i've ever said on this podcast but it means i'm gonna be fine so in terms of fast food i'm not worried about missing out on anything in and outs whatever it's it's good but i go there once every three months or something so meh the brim asking us fictional cat list cast (laughs) this is based uh, i had a a a a similar i said a fictional tv cat list cast during one of my one of the first rounds of the name bracket thread. Let me see if I can pull that up. You guys can just talk about it. I don't know if, if your guys I'm are prepared to do a full cat list I, cast. I'm not. I'm I'm just trying to look up the name of one because there was that really foul cartoon with the cat from way back in like the 80s or whatever. And I can't remember the name of it. Garfield's my number one. Garfield's my number last. Garfield sucks. Garfield is so bland. It doesn't stand for anything. Like you read, try reading the comics and it's like, it, it, it's, it's the idea of comedy to someone who has never told a joke in their life. <laughs> All let right. Me, my cart- let me, let me, I, I want to, I want to remake my statement. My number one is Gazorpa's art field. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. That should have made my list. All right. My, my cartoon cat list cast inspired by the name Sylvester Williams, by the way. Five is Sylvester, four is Tom, three is Scratchy, two is Felix, one is Stimpy. Felix is a good one. Uh, the one I was thinking of was Fritz the Cat, and that's probably my number one. Yeah. It's not It's not for kids. Stimpy's a good one. Was Stimpy a cat? Yeah, man. Really? That, that was everyone's reaction when, I, when he was on really? double. Stimpy the Cat, man. He does not look like a cat. Well, take it up with the animators then. I will. I will. I will go find them and we'll we'll have a fight. Um, looking for more questions here. Uh, let's see here. We've got one from Leia Strange, Bill Parcells Tree. Since a lot of the new coaching staff have ties to Bill Parcells, can we get a breakdown of the good and bad of his coaching? How did he, he deal with adversity, etc.? What? <laughs> 
I I don't think, I don't think looking back at coaching trees is that great of idea because we've seen to keep going on because Bill Belichick isn't Bill Parcells in the same way. A lot of those guys coming from the Belichick tree ain't Belichick or Parcells. This idea that somehow everyone's been mentored under the same roof and it creates duplicates in some ways. uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think Bill Parcells though is, I'm trying to think. Uh, can can someone else talk real quick? I need to go look up his how many places he coached in because uh, it's skipping my mind real quick. Once again, unpolished here. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to act like I I'm a Bill Parcells historian. Dude hasn't coached in 12 years, but I mean, he was kind of one of those hot headed kind of coaches where I mean, it, it's just like. It, like you're saying, each coach is different. I don't care what tree they come from. Each coach is different, and each style of coaching is different too. And each style of coaching has its success stories and its its you know failing failing stories. So, if you're yeah, talking I, about like whether you want a hot headed coach or a cool call collective guy, an analytics guy, uh, a play design guy, it all can work and it all can blow up. So I'm not that concerned about what kind what Bill Parcells means in terms of what the Lions coach, current coaching staff is going to perform like. Any thoughts on this, Ryan? What? There we are. Tied him up. Tee him up. All right, cool. Just handed him softballs today. Shining Light asking us, I'd like to have your answer to a question about the RB choice in this year's draft. Which of the rookie running backs would the Lions like to have picked in this year's draft that were taken before carry on Johnson, if any? Saquon Barkley. I mean, yeah. If, if I mean, that's that's really about it. Happening. I mean, and I know Alex Reno honestly thought that Saquon's game wouldn't necessarily benefit the Lions, but I mean, I don't know. I just think that he's he's just one of those unique talents that I think he would prosper wherever he shall go. But um, I don't know. Carry on, Johnson's my guy now. They draft you wanna, him. You want to talk about hypotheticals at this point? No, no, he he's the guy now. Did you see him draw that Lions logo? <laughs> it was so admirably done. I, I was kind of in the Rashad Penny crowd a little bit. I was hoping he might fall to him. Yeah, but something about Penny and Blunt seemed really redundant to me. Yeah, I can see that. But Blunt Blunt's a short-term guy. He's probably not even going to be on the team next year. Shh, don't say that. What about Chubb? You have a chub for chub? No. Um, I have no chub. I'm I feel like I should elect myself out of this conversation now. So you can play Fortnite? Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Pride Detroit POD cast. We are on iTunes and Stitcher. Our main theme was produced by Ryan Shepard. You can find him on Twitter and on SoundCloud at I am Brian Shepard. I A M B R I A N S H E P A R D. Thanks a lot to him. Check out his stuff. He's been great. He gave us Victory Monday. So go check him out. That's I am Brian Shepard. And thank you for everyone who keeps listening and makes us one of the greatest Lions podcasts possible. Y'all are awesome. See you star side.
You've reached the High Fashion Hotline. Help! Our family's going to a big football game this weekend, and I want to get us on the Jumbotron in some fresh new styles. Sprint over to Old Navy. Old Navy? Yep, Old Navy's giant thank you event is happening now. Get 30% off your purchase or 40% off when you use or open an Old Navy credit card at Old Navy or OldNavy.com. 40% off? Wow, that's a huge score. Better hurry. It ends Sunday. Time to huddle up and head to Old Navy. High Fashion. Old Navy. Valid 926 to 930. Excludes in-store clearance, register lane items, gift cards, jewelry, today only, and two-day only deals. 40% offer subject to credit approval. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.